This is the Illinois. This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work. Welcome to the Illinois podcast. The Illinois. Cutting through the noise of Illinois politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston. Hey there, Patrick Fingston here from the Illinois, theillinois.com. Welcome to our Wednesday live stream and uh, podcast. Uh, we're running a little behind today uh, as uh, we had some uh, video uh, issues. Nobody's fault but mine, uh, mostly because I'm a dope and uh, uh, am, am pretty bad at video <laughs> editing. So we were a little delayed on on that front. You won't notice any different in the pod, any difference in the podcast. But uh, a lot going on as we're under seven weeks from election day uh, here in Illinois uh, today. Uh, Darren Bailey's on a, a bus tour with stops in the suburbs. The governor was endorsed by. Uh, theater workers union in Chicago. Uh, so they are uh, playing to their, their bases and, and trying to get out uh, their voters uh, as uh, they, they continue down the path toward election day. All indication is that it's the governor's race to lose. Uh, Darren Bailey still not running any, any TV ads on his own, uh, though the Dan Proft PAC uh, funded by Richard Uline uh, is, uh, is up on the air attacking J.B. Pritzker and and uh, doing some some pro Bailey ads as well, but uh, not your traditional uh, campaign that you would be expecting as we're in the second half of September for the Republican gubernatorial nomination uh, or um, nominee. So we uh, had a chance yesterday. Uh, I went down to Springfield and sat down with former Governor Jim Edgar, uh, 38th governor of Illinois, and uh, uh, the last guy to serve two full terms as governor. Uh, in this state, and we had a wide-ranging discussion on on the, the state of our politics, on on Darren Bailey's campaign for governor, on on JB Pritzker's job performance. You know, the uh, the governor did some some advising to to Pritzker during his his transition four years ago, and uh, it's it's interesting to hear uh, what the governor had to say about his feelings on uh, how Pritzker is is doing now. So we'll share that conversation with uh, Governor Edgar that, that uh, we recorded yesterday. Governor Jim Edgar, pleasure, sir. Thanks so much for the time. Nice to be with you. So uh, lots of things we want to talk about in an election year, obviously, in this, in this state. Considering the tribalization and polarization of our politics today, where are we in your mind? Well, I think politics, not just in Illinois, but throughout the nation, are way too polarized. Uh, we have kind of let... Uh, the fringes take control of both parties to some extent, maybe more in the Republican than Democrat, but Democrats have a similar problem brewing. Uh, and it's it's kind of a culture war. Uh, it's not so much on issues that we used to fight about, like uh, the budget, uh, taxes, things like that. It's more about uh, things that, for the most part, I used to think government really didn't have any business in. Uh, and that has uh, left a situation where People, if you're on the other side, people develop a hatred almost, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think we can disagree in a agreeable manner, uh, and that, that's unfortunately 
has got away from us. And the other dilemma today, and what I think one of the causes of that polarization is that many elections are decided in primaries. Like for legislative races, there aren't that many swing districts left, either in the state legislature or Congress. So if you win the primary, you're elected. Well, primary has a tendency to get a much lower turnout, and you have a tendency to see more of the uh, true believers, as I call them, in both parties, uh, kind of those maybe more to the right and more to the left in the Democratic Party uh, turnout. And the people in the middle, unfortunately, a lot of them don't vote in primaries. And so, you know, they go to the general election, they say, gee, I don't like my choices. Uh, and if they're in an all-Republican district or all-Democratic district, they don't really have a say to some extent. So uh, it, there's no doubt politics today is too much polarized. Uh, it's, it's more, uh, well, Illinois has always been, uh, politics has always been a blood sport, but it's, it's almost savage now, and that's unfortunate. I think a lot of people who maybe haven't been paying attention for a long time look at the polarization and think Trump. But, but this, this all started long before him. Right? It did. I mean, I, I was always a little amazed uh, when it, it started, I think, with Clinton to some extent. Uh, I mean, Clinton wasn't my favorite. I didn't hate him. But you could tell among some Republicans. And then W came in. Mm -hmm. Well, you may disagree with W, but W's the last guy you would hate. I mean, he's a pretty uh, good guy. I mean, just, you know, I always said if I'd been a fox whore and lived next door to him, he'd be fine either case. But people really had a hatred, the Democrats did, toward Bush. And you kind of realize, hey, this has kind of got out of hand in both parties. Uh, you know, the other person's evil. Uh, the other person we used to think was just wrong. They weren't evil. Uh, and in some cases, they might have been right and we might have been wrong. But uh, today, that, that feeling doesn't exist. It's uh, unfortunate. It's not like you didn't have your moments of tension and, and disagreement and fights in your time. I mean, the Hardigan race was was a, a knockdown drag out. The Nets race were particularly super friendly. What makes this moment different? Well, it wasn't only those races, it was governing too. I mean, I used to have, I had, most of them I had a democratic control legislature. And, uh, you know, they weren't real happy when I first got in because that was redistricting year and they knew that I was gonna veto their redistricting bill. So they were really bad about that. Uh, but even though we would disagree, we would fight, uh, at the end of the day, we knew we had to compromise because we had to get things done. Chicago legislators, Democrats from Chicago, they knew they had to take home things to Chicago. The rest of the state, we knew we needed to get things for the state. So at the end of the day, we knew we had to compromise. Now, as governor, Chicago was part of my district, so I wasn't opposed to giving things to Chicago. I did try to suggest they shouldn't take it all, and uh, downstate needed to be remembered. But we had a responsibility to deal with both concerns, and I think we did at the end of the day. Now, there are many a, a weeks I would go with Speaker Madigan, we go round and round. I mean, it, it can be extremely frustrating dealing with him. But at the end of the day, uh, he knew he had to get some things done. I knew I needed some things done. And uh, we could usually come to some accommodation. Now, the first session, we went into overtime, which up to that point had never happened much at all. And, uh, but I think after I kind of withstood his, uh, his pressure that he knew, in the end, 
he needed to negotiate with me. And for the rest of the time I was governor, for the most part, we, we got things done at the end of session. Uh, unfortunately, now today in, in Illinois, you've got a democratic controlled legislature, you've got a democratic governor, so you don't quite have that polarization uh, as far as getting things done, uh, as you did when Rauner was governor. Uh, of course, Rauner, he kind of marched his own drummer. I mean, he just, I never understood how he could think I could be governor and I don't need a budget. I mean, it, uh, but today, unfortunately, uh, not just in election time, but after the election, when we need to kind of put those things aside and, and get things done. I mean, you can see that in Washington, D.C. Uh, you can't get anything done if you need both parties hardly at all. You're the definition of a moderate, fiscally conservative, socially pro-choice, along those lines. Uh, what a lot of super conservatives these days would call a rhino. Yeah. Uh, are, is there room for you in the Republican Party anymore? Well, I think if the Republican Party, particularly in a state like Illinois, wants to be successful statewide, there has to be. Uh, there aren't enough conservative Republicans or far-right Republicans to win a statewide election of any importance. Now, you can win downstate. And that's one of the changes since when I was running. Downstate has become now 10 to 15% automatic Republican. Uh, back when I was running, it was swing. Uh, how downstate went usually is how the election turned out. Suburbs would be very Republican. Chicago would be very Democrat. Today, that's all changed. Suburbs are about as Democrat as they are Republican. Uh, and downstate is very Republican. City's still very Democrat. So the suburbs are really the key in statewide elections. And if the Republican Party is too far to the right, I think they're going to have a hard time getting the necessary votes out of the suburbs to be successful in a statewide election. When you see the Republican brand and the way that it's been hurt in places like the suburbs, you know, DuPage County used to be the number one spot for, for Republicans in, in the Midwest, essentially. You look at that, you look at the standing in, in Kane County, in Lake County, in Will County, is the, is the Republican Party too far gone to be relevant with those voters? Oh, I don't think so. I, I think part of the, there is a little bit of a misconception that we are real democratic in Illinois. Uh, put aside the Trump elections, and the General Assembly is very democrat, but that's because the Democrats control redistricting. And it's much more democrat than it should be if you look at where voters are. It's, it's, no doubt Illinois is more Democrat than Republican, and it's shifted more since I was governor. But it's not as far as it would appear looking at the makeup of the General Assembly or looking at presidential election results, particularly with Trump. Trump had a hard time, very hard time, being able to connect with moderate Republicans like me. And there are many moderate Republicans in the suburbs, particularly women voters. Uh, Republicans have always had a trouble with women voters, Fortunately, I didn't. That was one of my strengths. Uh, but that has cost Republicans elections in this state. And if the party is still perceived as too far to the right, uh, it's going to have real difficulties, I think, winning all the, many of those suburban women. And now with the fact that we brought up the abortion issue again, I mean, I, I can't think of a worse thing for trying to calm down American politics than to have Roe versus Wade overturned. I mean, that was... A disaster. That's that's like as bad as uh, Putin invading Ukraine. So th those are both issues I thought were behind us, you know. And unfortunately, at the state level, uh, that I think for the Republicans in Illinois, particularly, but a lot of other states, 
it is, is going to be very detrimental to him because I think that will take a lot of suburban women or women who think like the majority of suburban women uh, and they're going to say, I'm not voting for a Republican. They might agree with him on fiscal issues. They might agree with him on some other social issues even. But that, I think, went too far. And, uh, and the Demo Republicans are now, in a lot of states, you know, ratifying Roe versus Wade at the state level. And I think that's a danger in Illinois if you had a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. If that, that's the issue you care about, and I think a lot of women do, uh, then that would drive you to vote against a Republican. So that issue has hurt. Uh, if we didn't have that issue, uh, I think if we didn't have the, the kind of the Trump appearance for the party, I think we'd be viable in Illinois. I think if we had a moderate Republican candidate for governor, I think it'd be very viable uh, in, in this election. Can a moderate win a primary? Well, that's... Uh, Mark Kirk. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. You can't if you have one or two of them in there. You're going to have to have one. Uh, I mean, this primary, I have to admit, uh, I was a little surprised that Griffin and the money that he had uh, went to uh, uh, the mayor of Aurora. I mean, I like the mayor of Aurora. I know him. I thought he was a Democrat. But I, I think he always thought that might be a tough sell in a Republican primary. I think there were other people. I think if they'd have gone with somebody like Kirk Dillard, uh, I think he could have won the primary and he'd win the general election. I have a real good chance even of beating Pritzker. And I think Pritzker is, is going to be difficult. I mean, diff Pritzker's done, a, I think, a pretty decent job as governor. I don't agree with everything. Uh, but he's done what a governor's supposed to do. I think that, that helps him going into this election. Uh, you also have, <laughs> he has more money than God. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, unfortunately, in politics, you've got to worry about raising money. Uh, uh, and uh, he doesn't have to worry about that. Sure doesn't. Plus, there's a lot of other people who want his money. Uh, they're going to support him. Uh, and uh, so that, and he can kind of help the Democratic Party. I mean, down the ticket is something that uh, I, th I think that uh, Bailey's going to have a real difficult time winning this election. I mean, I think it's, it definitely is a long shot. The, Fear I have more is the impact it can have down the ticket for the party. Uh, and we've got to pick up some statewide offices sometime to have a hope at the future. Uh, and we need to win county offices. Uh, and the suburbs particularly swing how the top of the ticket goes more than any other part of the state. Uh, and so if Bailey doesn't do well in the suburbs, if he gets beat pretty bad in the suburbs, that's going to have an impact down the ballot. And I think there's a lot of good Republicans who have great potential uh, that, uh, you know, that, that could affect. Uh, the county board chairman race uh, in DuPage County. Mm -hmm. uh, Hart, I think, has a, you know, he's got a great future if he wins that. He's young, he's bright, he's a moderate. But, you know, he could get caught up if the top of the ticket uh, goes Democrat heavily. So that's a concern in this election that has an impact not only on this election, but on long term, particularly the viability of the Republican Party. But I, I wouldn't give up on the Republican Party at this point. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time in this election. But if we can get some people on the farm team and have them prepared to move up, 
uh, I think we've got a shot. I think we have a chance if, if the top doesn't uh, destroy the opportunity. I think Secretary of State. Uh, I think Dan Brady has a shot at winning Secretary of State unless we really get wiped out at the top. Uh, and if we can pick up the Secretary of State in this statewide election, you know, that is somewhat of a platform, uh, if nothing else, an organization because, you know, you, you can't go fire the Democrats. I was the first Secretary of State that had to keep my Democrats. I co-opted it. A lot of them became Edgar Democrats. Uh, and Brady can be the same, but he'll have vacancies. He'll be able to, you know, put some people in there that are going to feel very loyal to him and to the Republicans. So that's an important race, I think, uh, in this election, uh, because I think it's, it's winnable. Uh, the others will be tougher. Obviously, Pritzker is, is far more uh, liberal than than On social issues, he especially yeah, he, on social issues, he is. is. What makes him so controversial? You know, I don't, I've been surprised with that, actually. I mean, uh, you know, he, he, he seems like a, I mean, I know him. I served on a corporate board for a few years with him, uh, and I found him being very personal. I mean, I was a little leery. Here's a guy, $3 billion. He was kind of young at the time. He kind of took over the company. I thought, oh, boy. Uh, but he listened. And that's one of the qualities I think he has that's important in a leader is to listen. Now, you may listen and not do anything you hear, but at least he listens. Uh, and uh, so, no, I think he is. Uh, I, I, I've been surprised at how his numbers aren't better than they are now. Polarization. Uh, he's a Democrat, so a lot of Republicans just automatically don't like him. Uh, there's no doubt uh, going through COVID was very difficult. A lot of people didn't understand, didn't accept that they had to change their lifestyle. They had to wear a mask, you know, things like that. I mean, we all got tired of masks. I hate them. I never can see out of my glasses when I have my mask on. Uh, but I also know going through a natural disaster with the great flood, uh, you've got to act quick. Uh, now. We'd never been through that before. There were some things, decisions he made. Maybe in hindsight, he might have done a little different. But you don't have the luxury of that when you're dealing with a natural disaster, especially on the scale of COVID. I mean, that was the worst thing I have ever seen. Have and, you thought about how you would have handled that differently? You know, I, I don't know if I'd have done it different. I'd have listened to the experts uh, because I wouldn't claim to be an expert. Uh, I would have probably, if anything, and he might have, and I think you know some governors did, overreact because I'd rather be safe than sorry. I mean, is it that bad to tell people you got to wear a mask as opposed to a diet? I mean, that to me is, is an easy sell. And, uh, you know, closing the schools. Uh, I read a book before this all happened on the, the 1919 pandemic. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I thought was kind of interesting, in New York, they didn't close the schools down. And they had less problems there than they did in some cities where they did. So there might have been some things that you'd have done differently, uh, he could have done differently, but I give him uh, high marks for he acted quickly. He acknowledged there was a problem. President Trump didn't do that. And uh, that, as a former governor who had gone through a natural disaster, uh, to have a president basically uh, question everything the governors did and not really backing them up to me, that was very unfortunate. Uh, when I had to deal with the Great Flood in 93, which is the greatest natural disaster Illinois ever faced, 
we had to move quick. We had to do things. Uh, and we needed to have backup from the federal government. We needed supplies. Uh, we needed money. Uh, we didn't need them to second guess us. We just needed, we called them, hey, send us some, you know, mobile homes, send us some water, uh, send us whatever we needed. They did it. I mean, I have to give Clinton high marks for how he dealt with the states in that uh, emergency. And I was really appalled with Trump's lack of support for governors and then even publicly criticize him. And in the case of Michigan, just undermining the governor. I mean, I, you know, again, you may have done it different if you'd have been governor and you might have had a private conversation with him, but to publicly lambast him and undercut their ability to get their constituents to, to go along and do what needed to be done, I thought was, uh, I thought maybe it was one of the worst things Trump did. And I've got a pretty long list on things I thought he did wrong as president. But uh, again, going back to Pritzker, again, I thought he handled, but I think that was, I think there are already some issues people didn't like him about, but that undoubtedly, you know, uh, expanded that, that negative feeling toward, particularly downstate. Uh, and, uh, but I, I give part of that to polarization, and I think they do view him. He is somebody from Chicago. I mean, he definitely has a different life than most of us downstate have. Uh, but I think he, he spent time downstate. Uh, he has, uh, I think, appears to try to listen and, and respond to problems. I haven't seen that he's pulled any, like if there's a disaster in a Republican area, he hasn't moved just as quick there as he had in a Democratic area. So, uh, you know, I, I've been surprised that he's not stronger in the polls, though I do think that uh, uh, Bailey was probably the weakest candidate we could run uh, in the general election in Illinois. Uh, he might run well in Mississippi, uh, but you know, and he'll run well in Southern, I mean, downstate Illinois, he'll run well. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be enough to offset what will happen in Chicago and then also what very well could happen in the suburbs. Well, that leads me to Darren Bailey. Is there any scenario in which you see him winning? It's possible. I mean, let's say the crime thing just completely got out of hand. Uh, and we had uh, all kinds of riots and things like that. Possibly, I think that's the best issue the Republicans have in the state and nationwide is the issue of crime. And, you know, Democrats are at times, uh, I think they might have gone too far. Uh, you know, uh, here at the state level, you know, there was, I think, some reasonable concerns from uh, public officials, state's attorneys, sheriffs, that, uh, you know, I don't know how much input they really had. I mean, I've, I have the Edgar Fellows and I've had people on both sides come and argue about that and we've had the sponsor of the bill was a member of the Edgar Fellow the year after that happened and you know they feel like they listened but the other side argued they didn't uh, they didn't uh, and but that's that'll happen you have a major policy change uh, you're going to make some mistakes and the key is if you make the mistakes quickly change it uh, now there's no doubt there's a lot of misinformation on the bill in the past about what it's going to do I mean it's not going to let criminals out of jail but you know, didn't make bond or whatever. I mean, that's, that's absurd. I mean, it's certain if you got a traffic ticket, and I, I'm sympathetic to that, uh, it's expensive to keep little people in jail, uh, especially if they're not a threat to society. Uh, but uh, that's the one issue I think that they could uh, pick up on. The economy, uh, not that we have that much control at the state level, and I'm not sure how much sometimes the president and Congress has control over the, the economy. Uh, 
uh, the Federal Reserve has more control than anybody, and it's obvious the Federal Reserve is not following the dictates of the president. Uh, so, uh, but that, that could have an impact. The, uh, the abortion issue will offset that for the Democrats and the Republican relationship. Uh, but those are all, we still have what, six weeks to go? Seven, yes. Seven weeks uh, before the election. That's eternity. I mean, you know, Biden, who can misspeak, he can say something really off the wall uh, that could really hurt the Democrats. Uh, you know, Trump could do something off the wall, which is, is not surprising. If he'd have been, he could do something that could really, uh, you know, stir up and, and get the Democrats really worked up. This election, more than the presidential election, is going to be determined by turnout. Because less people vote in an off-year election, and whoever can get their voters to the polls will do well. Republicans have done a pretty good job, particularly the truck people have done a good job over the last two elections of getting their people to the polls. One of the key there was the abortion issue. They were losing on that issue. And when you lose, people are much more upset than when they win. Well, they won in the Supreme Court. And while they may still want to see actions at state levels, uh, they may not be as motivated as the Democrats are going to be now. And people who think like them on that issue, uh, they, based off what happened in Kansas, uh, that is an issue that I think has traction and I think could uh, be a motivator uh, to get to more Democrats out of more Democratic voting people out, maybe moderate Republicans who have said, I've had it with the Republicans, I'm going to vote for a Democrat, because like in Illinois, they might say, hey, I don't want to take a chance on it. the Republicans getting control of what the legislature and the governorship in Illinois, then they impose uh, restrictions on women's right to choose. Uh, that that could have an impact. And that's why Pritzker doesn't stop talking about it. Yeah. It motivates yeah. liberal voters. Yeah. Well, it's not only liberals. I think that Kansas is not considered a huge liberal state. But they do have a Democratic a governor. I mean, it's it's not Barely, like it's... But that was a Democratic governor who ran against a questionable That's Republican. Fair. And uh, now I, I think that that has uh, traction with moderate mm -hmm. women. I mean, again, that's not your... And that's an issue we all thought was resolved pretty much. Uh, and I think women felt pretty secure, particularly young women. Will this issue, particularly with young women, uh, change that? And again, based off what happened in Kansas, you got to think maybe it has, it might have an impact. Darren Bailey is what Darren Bailey is going to be. Yeah. And that's super conservative. And so. I, I give Darren Bailey this. Darren Bailey is what, who he is. I mean, I will say that he doesn't seem like he tries to hide his feelings. And uh, he, I've only talked to him briefly once. And he seemed like a very uh, personable individual. Uh, I just think many of the policies he believes in I don't think the majority of the Illinoisans believe it. If you, if you were advising me, if he called you up and said, Governor, how do I win this race? What do you tell him? I'd talk about crime, and I'd stop talking about the social issues. And uh, I would definitely, and I think he kind of did that, said Biden did win. I mean, that's a crazy issue to get tied down in. I mean, it's obvious he won. I mean, it, you know you know that some of the tr true believer Trumps don't like it, but you know they're going to have to let you at least be rational on that issue when you're trying to convince people to vote for you, particularly for governor. This is not a U.S. Senate race. There's a hundred U.S. Senators. They go out and talk with them. A governor actually does something. A governor has control. A governor in Illinois has huge powers. I mean, you, you want to 
a sensible person in that job. Uh, you can go with a kind of a flamboyant, uh, you know, person that's kind of fun to watch and you like his comments. Uh, that's fine in the legislature. It's not in the executive branch. You want a solid person who's going to make sure that things that have to get done get done. I want to look to the future, but I also want to look back really quickly to where we are today and and uh, you know the things that led us to where we are. I was there the day in 2005 yeah. when you said you weren't going to run for governor again. Uh, people have lobbied you to it. Essentially, ended your political career. Since then, you had the Blagojevich disaster, the Quinn incompetence, the Rauner nightmare. Do you regret not getting back in then? Oh, there's many days I've regretted in that election. I didn't run against Bogorovich. I mean, first of all, I never thought, I thought he was going to get indicted before the election. You know, it was almost, what, two years later before he got indicted. Uh, I also thought that Judy could beat him. I mean, we had some polls. I mean, I think I was ahead of him 25 points, but Judy was ahead of him about five points. And I thought she could win. Uh, I did not want to run again. Every time I'd ever run, I wanted to run. I mean, people say, oh, it's really great of you to do I wanted to do those things. I mean, I have a pretty healthy ego, and I wanted to be governor. Uh, but at that point, I really didn't want to run again. I mean, I'd, I'd done that, been there, and uh, I knew Brenda did not want me to do it. She'd never tell me that, but I knew she did not want me to do it. And, uh, but I did feel like maybe I ought to run, just so he's not the governor. And the state had some, as usual, had some financial problems. And uh, I thought maybe, you know, I needed to go back in. Uh, but I, I finally, maybe I rationalized that I thought Judy could win. Uh, I didn't think Bogorovich would win. Uh, and there are times after that I, I've, I've regretted it. Uh, but uh, for me personally, it was a good thing I didn't. I mean, you know, I, uh, health-wise, financial-wise, and everything else, it was better that I didn't do that. Uh, and also people thought I had done a good job, and if I got back in, they'd have been mad at me because they're always mad at you when you do what has to be done. Uh, it takes time sometimes for them to build up. They, oh, you were good. Uh, but, you know, I have to admit, that's the one political decision that I had second thoughts. After Gorbich got reelected and we went through that whole mess we went through uh, with the impeachment, all that, I, you know, I felt like, yeah, maybe I should have run again. Is that your biggest political regret or do you have another? Well, I got a lot of regrets, not that big. I mean, for the most part, uh, political, uh, that might be the biggest, if I had one. I mean, again, I'm still, I'm not saying that yeah, I should have run. I'm just saying that, that one I second-guessed myself more than any of the others. Uh, the first time I said I wasn't going to run again in uh, 97 for the 98 election, uh, you know, I thought, I thought two terms is enough, uh, particularly straight. I mean, I think there's something to be said. Uh, maybe you serve two terms and you set out and you come back. Good friend of mine, Jim Hunt, in North Carolina, had done that. He had been governor for eight years, got beat in the Senate race, eight years came back and served eight more years as governor. And he says that second time was just the best time because he knew what to worry about and what not to worry about. You know, he, uh, it, that would, and I thought oh, that might be fun uh, to go back. I said if I could have got a campaign that lasted about a week and my term lasted about a month, I thought I'd do it, but you know, I, I was afraid I'd be, come March, instead of being in Arizona, I'm in Springfield, and you know Daly's yelling at me in Chicago, and my Republicans have run south on me because we're going to have to raise taxes and things like that. Uh, that I might really regret. I made that decision, but uh, uh, for the most part, politically, I felt 
I got done what I wanted to do. Uh, earlier, now when I was a kid, I wanted to be president. I didn't really know that much about being governor. When I came to Springfield as an intern, I realized I wanted to be governor. And uh, for Downstater to get there, I mean, that's, 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 I felt like that was an accomplishment. And I felt like our eight years, we did good. Uh, people say, what do you look at? I said, well, to me, one of the important things as governor is the people think you did a good job. And when I was leaving office, my approval ratings were the highest of anybody had been at that point in their gubernatorial career. But more importantly, a vast majority of the people thought the state was on the right track. And we haven't been there since. So, you know, I, I felt good about that. So I, in a way, I didn't need to go back. I, you know, I, I'd done well, I thought, done as good as I could do, and I was pleased. Governmentally, I think it might be one of the questions on your list. Governmentally, do I have any regrets? The biggest regret I have governmentally is I left the billion and a half dollar surplus. I should have locked it away someplace, that Al Gore lockbox, or put it in a pension plan or whatever. I never dreamed the legislature. Now, I wasn't shocked that Governor Ryan spent the money. I kind of knew how he, he viewed money. But I was surprised the legislature went along after what we had to go through in the early 90s when we were basically broke and we had to cut budgets and, you know, it was a difficult times, and I thought, hey, we're out of that. They don't want to get back into that, and uh, we went right back into it. So I, I think governmentally, I, I'd have done something with that money to make sure they didn't just kind of, it disappeared within six months after I left office, and we've never had a surplus since to speak of. Now, they've got one now, but I never had a federal government that poured billions of dollars in. I, and I get credit, he did worry about the budget, and that's one of the things before he ran, or when he was, before he was elected, I told him, the budget. It's the budget, stupid. Just think about the budget. If you don't have the budget right, nothing's going to work. And I think he has concentrated on the budget well. I think uh, that's the one thing you can see. Some, he is a businessman to some extent. He's not just a liberal Democrat. And uh, I think, you know what, you had to raise taxes. There, there's a need. And, uh, but I, he didn't get a big help from the federal government this last two years. I mean, that's never dreamed that the federal government would come through with that kind of money. So your Edgar Fellows program turned 10 this year. Uh, we're more polarized than ever before. There's a gigantic level of mistrust in public officials. You've had a lot of legislators come through that program. Is it working and what's next? Well, I think it's had an impact. No, I, I mean, we're gonna, we said this is gonna change overnight. I think in Illinois, let me just say this thing about Illinois versus nationally. I don't think we're as polarized in Illinois in government and politics as they are nationally. This time, for the first time, the far right got control of the gubernatorial nomination. Uh, and that's kind of made us look like the parties fall to the right. I don't think it's that far to the right. Uh, I, I do think that uh, in the legislature, there were acts in the last few years of working together. Classic example is the school aid formula most difficult thing there is to deal with. And we had two Edgar Fellows who were key players. One was a Republican, one was a Democrat. There's a couple of Democrats uh, involved, in, and you had Republicans involved in, they argued and argued, but they, they worked out a compromise, and they got a school aid formula passed. Uh, we had a budget. Republicans crossed over, in most cases committed political suicide, but they understood that had to be done. And that, to me, in all my years in Springfield, was the most important, courageous vote 
that anybody made because Illinois was on the brink of never coming back. I mean, if we had not got a budget that year, Wall Street was going to write Illinois off, and we would always have trouble getting credit in the future. Uh, and besides the fact a lot of people suffered that needed help from government. So I think we can see cases where people have got together. I don't know if the electorate is all caught up with that. I think elected officials understand it. I think the new speaker, who's an eager fellow, uh, has been a little more willing to work with Republicans. I mean, Madigan, you had to, you know, give your firstborn to get anything from him sometimes. And he was a friend of mine, but he was tough to deal with. Uh, I have a story I, I tell that there's a Republican legislator I have a lot of respect for. He told me the first year that uh, the new speaker was in, uh, he had a, right at the end of the session, he had an emergency in his district. He needed special legislation. He's a Republican. You know, they're going to have to bend rules and everything to get this passed. And he decided, he said he never would have called Madigan, never been in Madigan's office. Uh, but he thought, well, you know, speaker said, if you, I can, I'm speaker for everybody. He says, and he knew him. He said he was a personal guy. So he called him. He said, come to my office. Came in his office. He explained the problem. He said, I'll, I'll help you. Can I, I'd like to co-sponsor the bill with you. And they got it passed. And that problem in that Republican's district was taken care of by a Democratic speaker who understood, you know, he wanted to reach out. And, you know, and he, he's new, so he knew he, he needed to do those kind of things to build some report. But I, I do think uh, those things are occurring in the legislature more than people realize. And uh, I, I can't take, the Edgar Fellow can't take all the credit, but I think we can take some of the credit because, you know, a lot of those people have been Edgar Fellows uh, that have been willing to work together. Uh, you know, I, I've had some tell me that, like a House Democrat say, I now know a Senate Republican I can go talk to. I didn't know until we were together at the Edgar Fellows. Uh, so I, it, it, it's had some impact. Has it got down to the average voter? No. And I think the average voter has got to be a little more tolerant, and we've got to get away from this. I'm all right, and they're all wrong. Uh, I learned as governor. There are times I had positions, and the end of the day, I was wrong, and the other side was right. Uh, often the compromise was the best. Uh, and you have to recognize that you're not always right. And there's not always just one right answer. Uh, sometimes there's several right answers. And if you're from Charleston, Illinois, you might come up with one answer. If you're from the south side of Chicago, you come up with another answer. And it doesn't mean one's wrong, one's right. It just means you come out in a different perspective. And then if you sit down and try to compromise, chances are that compromise is going to be better than either one of the two original proposals. And one of the reasons is it's going to be more acceptable because it has input from both sides. Take Obamacare. You know, the first few years, so much flack about Obamacare because the Republicans felt like they got left out and the Democrats did it without them and all that. How much better that would have been if both parties had been involved now. Democrats were arguing the Republicans wouldn't and whatever. But if they had got together, I think it would have been much smoother. Now, how many years ago did Obamacare? We don't hear talk about Obamacare now. It's accepted. Uh, but that polarization uh, caused it to be this mistrust and we, we need to combat that. And again, I do think the Edgar Fellows is having input. I think there are Democrats and Republicans who know each other better now because they were there. I think they've attempted to, to get along more in the legislature than they did before. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's, it, it's been worthwhile. 
Final question for you. There are, and surely you've seen it, the people around the state who are fed up. They, they want to move to Tennessee or Texas or Florida or uh, send their kids to Iowa or Purdue or Michigan where it's cheaper to send their kids to school. Uh, you look at all of the frustration that folks have in the state, especially coming from the right. Do you still have hope for where the state oh, is going? Oh, yeah. This, you know, I, I don't care for the winners, uh, and I don't like the humidity in the summer. <laughs> but Illinois has one resource that out west where everybody wants to go, and I spend a lot of time out there, they don't have. It's called water. I mean, that alone gives this state a huge future. We're the crossroads of the nation. Uh, we have some of the best higher education institutions in the, in the country. Uh, and that's helped us with industry. Uh, I mean, we've got a lot of things going for us. We also, and I think one of our strengths sometimes can be polarization, we have a very diverse population. Uh, and I think that's neat. I mean, as governor, I have to tell you, I loved the ethnic communities. I love the diversity of Illinois. I mean, I'd grown up in a very waspy community of Charleston. Uh, and, you know, I, I enjoyed getting to know the people in the Chicago area. Maybe not the politicians as much as I like the ethnic groups. And, uh, you know, and I, they had a lot more in common with me than I realized. Uh, and that, I think that's true. And that's one of the things we talk in the Andrew Fellow that, hey, you're from downstate, you're from the south side of Chicago, you got a lot more in common than you do difference. And you need to, you know, emphasize that. Uh, but, you know, on jobs, uh, look at Texas. Everybody likes to go to Texas. Would you want to trust their utility system? Because they haven't put money into it. That's why they have low taxes. They don't spend money on infrastructure. They don't spend money on uh, fixing things up. Their schools, their schools aren't good. Uh, elementary, I mean, Arizona, beautiful state in the winter, terrible schools. I mean, they're elementary, second, they don't spend much money on it. And now they're having to, all this emphasis, we're going to give it to private schools. Well, that'll just polarize more and particularly disadvantaged students won't have the opportunity for quality education, so they're not going to be able to get out of their disadvantage if you don't have a good education. So uh, I think that uh, we have challenges. There's still challenges in Chicago when it comes to schools. There's a crime issue. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think that uh, there needs to be a little more of a firm hand on how they deal with that in the Chicago areas than they have in the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, we have challenges but we have assets and we need to build on the assets and we need to to try to work together to, to deal with the uh, the problems governor thank you uh -huh. pleasure thanks to former governor jim edgar for the the sit down yesterday uh with uh, the illinois and, and a hopeful message for uh where the state could be going uh if uh if things seem to get on the right track, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, whoever the party, whatever party is in charge, uh, but uh, working together seems like it. At least in Governor Edgar's mind, seems to be the way that that we move forward. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, thanks for for listening or, or watching uh, along today. Uh, you can find more uh, on theillinois.com where we post new stories every day and put a newsletter out each day. You can get the free newsletter uh, right there on the website. And uh, we hope you uh, join us next time. Thanks so much. Have a great day.